Hi friends, it's me Jennifer Jade and you're listening to The Soul Adventurer, your number one spiritual growth podcast to bring you even further into your greatness. I believe every soul in human form is on a soul adventure, but only some will make the most of it. This podcast is for anyone that desires to awaken, align, and inspire others through journeying to become their best self. If that's you, welcome. You're in the right place, and this is where you belong. Are you ready for today's soul adventure? Then let's begin. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Soul Adventurer podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Jade, and I'm super excited to dive into this topic today, which is healing the relationship between mothers and daughters. I've actually been requested this topic more than any other topic I've ever been privately requested before. So I'm really excited, but also at the same time, extremely nervous to dive into this topic. It's very personal to me. It will require me to get quite open and vulnerable with you. So I do hope that you get a lot out of what you're about to hear because it took me going quite deep to be able to share it. I want to give you a bit of background before I jump into the six things that I have to share with you to help you heal the relationship between you and your mom or the woman that raised you. So just a quick kind of breeze through the backstory a little bit so you can understand where I'm coming from because I know there's going to be a wide range of dynamics between other mothers and daughters and in, in different scenarios and situations. So just so you know where I'm coming from, but also I know that the six things that I'm about to share with you will apply to that wide variety of dynamics between mothers and daughters. So my mom grew up in a toxic environment. Um... Both of her parents were unhealthy, especially when she was quite a young girl. She experienced some different traumas and, you know, in a nutshell, it was just not an ideal situation for a young girl to be growing up in. They had very little resources and not much outside support, you know, let's put it that way. She then fell in love with my dad when they were in high school and later came to find out that one of the things that drew them together is what they had in common was that they both had toxic families at home, family dynamics, I'll say, at home. Um, But they were in love as far as they were aware, could tell, could feel. And, um, you know, in their early 20s, got married. And a year or so later had me. And then eventually realized that this was just not working out. And so then my mom became a single mother when I was about three and a half years old. And she was a single mother again didn't have much outside support at all emotionally or financially found herself starting to experience panic attacks and anxiety 
And at the time, the word anxiety was just not a buzzword. It was just not a thing that you hear about. It wasn't something that people talked about. She felt completely alone and isolated and terrified as a single mother. Meanwhile, trying to figure out, you know, how the bills are going to get paid, how the rent is going to get paid and so on. You know, now this is where I kind of pick up and I come into the picture, you know, and you've heard me say this before. I realized that we didn't have much when I was about four years old. And I decided at that point that in my little girl mind and my little conscious awareness of that small child, that small girl, that I didn't want to be a burden and I didn't want to have to rely on anyone else and that it wasn't safe to rely on anyone else. And maybe I was kind of gathering that from my mom's experience in her life. And so that's when I really started with the huge drive and ambition, which began with lemonade stands and then custom-made greeting card stands and then newspaper routes and, and, and so on and so on. And I've shared that story before. The relationship between me and my mom, as far as I knew when I was a kid, was good. Um, You know, we didn't have any screaming matches when I was growing up or a teenager. Um, I just, you know, in my mind, in my perception, and that's one thing I do want to point out and highlight right now is I don't believe there is one right reality like I don't believe there's one true story of how it actually unfolded I believe there's only perceptions there's only our human perception so there's my perception especially being a child and then there'll be my mom's perception which is probably entirely different from mine and then there'll be other people's perceptions so you know what is truth really I mean it it really boils down to our own perceptions and our perceptions are created through our subconscious mind, our ego, our fears, our self-doubts, all of these things. So in my childlike perception, I don't remember spending a lot of time with my mom growing up. I remember her working a lot. I remember her working in her salon a lot. Um, I remember, you know, spending a lot of my time playing with my friends going to their houses or just playing out in the neighborhood and working, you know, like whether I was uh, working a job or a paper route or I was off to play soccer and, you know, getting rides with my soccer coach or my teammates or uh, I was going to, I was riding my bike to my jazz classes. I only did jazz and ballet for a couple of years and mostly I was into soccer. Yeah, and then, you know, 14 years old, had my first serious boyfriend and basically was at his house every day till I was 18. And then 18, I moved away to England and lived in London for a little while. And then I came home. You know, my mom explained to me that I either needed to go to school or I needed to start paying rent. So I started taking some business classes at the local university, but I just knew that they were telling me to climb the corporate ladder and that never felt right for me. I just knew that that wasn't going to be my path in life. So I stopped going and um, got a couple of jobs, a full-time finance job and a serving job. And I bought a small condo in my hometown, got my own place. And, you know, now I lived on my own. 
Um, my early 20s, I remember, you know, still having a good relationship with my mom. She was still working in her salon. She had grown it to be a really recognizable name in, in our area where we lived. And she had clients coming even from the next province over in Canada to come see her for permanent makeup. She was winning awards. You know, she's doing really well. And uh, I would go see her. She would do my nails, you know, every two and a half, three weeks. And we'd sit and have our long conversations. And um, yeah, I remember things going well in my early 20s. And then, you know, I don't know what triggered it. But around my mid-20s, something just started to change, you know. And I I don't know if anyone can resonate with this listening. Because I know often... You know, we don't share a lot about our relationships with our mom because we love our moms and we don't want to, you know, say anything that may be construed as as harmful or hurtful. So, you know, I never really talked a lot about this and and, um, I don't really hear a lot of other women because it's true, like, you know, even when our relationships feel strained or that something's off, you know, we never, I don't know, I just never wanted to say anything that would hurt my mom or make her feel that she didn't do a good job. So, but something around the mid-20s um, started to shift for me. And I just started to notice things that, you know, would, would get on my nerves, would trigger me. Um, I don't know if I was thinking about my childhood at this point, if I was really starting to dig deeper into personal development and root causes of things, I'm not really sure. I don't even think I really was at that point. But I just know that around my mid-20s for me is when things began to shift. Our family went through a lot of tough times around this period of time. You know, I was experiencing... Um, some hard times with my dad and his health and wondering if he was going to be alive for my wedding. I didn't know. Um, He had had quite a severe health scare. And so that was stressful. And then, you know, my grandma, my mom's mom, there were a couple of times where we were told to come say goodbye to her, that this was her final day, and then it wouldn't be, and then she'd be okay, and then she would decline again, and then we'd be told again to come say goodbye. And, you know, it started that started taking a bit of a toll on our family. And, uh, you know, then you've if you've heard any of my other podcasts, you, podcasts, you've followed me for a little while, you'll know that we did have a devastating loss in our family. And, uh, you know, that over the course of a year, watching one of our young family members um, succumb to... A terminal form of cancer and then the fallout the following year after that and then a year after that we lost my grandfather my my grandma's husband so there was also a lot of other external circumstances surrounding us as well you know not to make any kind of excuses but just to give some context there was a lot swirling around in my you know 25 year old mind at this time and my mom and I did have a big blowout after the passing of our family member. And I think, you know, it was only within days of his passing. So I think it was very just emotionally charged. And it was just really shocking to me because we had never yelled at each other before. Um, yeah, this is a hard episode, you guys. 
I hope you're I hope you will glean something from this because it's not easy to share. But I'm doing it because I feel like this is something that a lot of us women carry around and don't actually really talk about or um, work through. We just kind of carry it. So I hope by talking about it, this will hope this will serve at least one person, especially when I get to the six things that have really helped me to heal. And for my mom and I and our relationship to heal. So we had the blowout and that was just kind of like, that was like the rock bottom, you know? Like I was unsure at this point if I wanted to carry on a relationship with my mom. I just, I was so, I don't know, you know? And I was still, so I was 26 years old at this time. And um, yeah, I just, I wasn't sure. And that killed me because I couldn't picture my life without my mother in it. But at the same time, I couldn't picture my life with her in it either um, because of the way that it felt to be around her, you know, especially immediately preceding this blowout. Something that if you've listened to my podcast episode called I Asked for a Divorce, then you might actually notice a parallel in what I just said. And I'll just take a brief pause here. I explained in my episode, I asked for a divorce, that there was a time when I asked my husband, I literally said, it's time for us to part ways, I want a divorce. And it wasn't because I ever felt like the relationship was over. I never had that that tugging sensation. You know when a relationship is over. You just feel it. You feel that it's run its course. You feel that it's come to an end. You you know it, right? And I never had that feeling with my husband. All I knew was that I was dreadfully unhappy. I was just, and I couldn't carry on. I was unhappy for, I mean, over a year, probably longer if I look back at my journals. Um, so although I never felt like the relationship was over, I just knew that I could not carry on the way that it was. And so I asked for a divorce and that's, you know, looking back, it's really parallel to how I felt in these moments with my mom. I felt like, you know, I don't want to not have a relationship with my mom. I don't feel that that relationship has come to an end. But I just don't know how to carry on like this. I just don't know. A quick side note here of what I did come to realize after some time and after some really great conversations with my mom is that in the ways that I felt that perhaps I wasn't as closely bonded to my mom or um, wasn't supported as much as I could have been. I didn't feel that in my little childlike body, um, in my perceptions as a little girl. I've come to realize that another way that this parallels my relationship and the unfolding of that relationship to where it basically came to an end and I asked for a divorce was that I realized I didn't feel supported and connected to my husband because there was that piece of me that wouldn't allow myself to be supported by other people. Remember at the beginning when I said I decided it was unsafe 
to be supported or to rely on anybody else, that I was going to take care of myself, I was going to look out for me, I was going to be misindependent. And as that unfolded in my marriage, I started to wonder why I didn't feel the soul connection with my husband. And I realized now that it happened in my relationship with my mom as well. I wanted to feel that connection with my mom. I wanted to feel that bond. I wanted to feel loved and supported. But at the same time, I realized that primarily it was me that was preventing us from having that connection and that bond. My mom and I did have a discussion after the blowout and there were some apologies and, you know, me knowing that I did want my mom in my life, I just, I tried to carry on and... I think at this point I was carrying even more you know whatever was already shifting in me that I talked about before this loss in the family and this blowout now it was like 10 times heavier you know I I had told myself I had um forgiven my mom and you know and I was moving on and but you know I think that was wishful thinking. I think that was what I was telling myself. I don't believe that I was feeling it in my body just yet. So as time carried on, um, I just did the best that I could, you know, like when I was around my mom, but I would just feel really zapped energetically. I didn't know how to, to control that. I couldn't control it as much as I would try to, you know, <laughs> tell myself listen Jen like don't you know act weird or zapped or whatever when you go to this family dinner and don't you know whatever put your put a bubble around you or whatever like it was just I don't know and I would totally zone out and then my mom would feel ignored because I would I would literally zone out and then that was probably hurtful for her on her end and you know it just it just wasn't good you know for my late 20s you know, especially as I started working with my first life coach and we start talking about the things that you don't really talk about out loud, you don't really say out loud, or maybe you touch on it with your friends, or maybe you just bitch about it with your friends, then carry on to the next subject. But, you know, we started diving really deep, my first life coach and I started to learn a lot of things about myself. I started to learn about triggers and how they're just really great eye-openers for us. I started to learn that I can't control and change other people to fit my mold of who I think they should be or should have been. And instead, you know, I can learn from my reactions and my triggers and, and see what is that reflecting in me that needs healing or needs to be brought to the light or is looking for forgiveness or needs to be shifted or let go. So that's kind of when, you know, the soil started to be really tilled by working with my coach, which was such an uh, amazing, I can't even put into words the experience it was to work with my first life coach and how life transformative that was for me. So this really started to help me figure things out. And it's been a work in progress ever since, I will say. Um, I am clearly passionate about self-development, about spiritual growth, about evolving, learning, becoming a better version of you, becoming a more 
enlightened and awakened version of yourself. And I really do explore my triggers. I really do explore when my energy uh, is reduced, is zapped. I explore when I'm triggered. I explore when I have reactions of, of anger or bitterness. I explore it, you know. So it's been a really great, you know, almost like a research project for me, my relationship between my mom and I. And what's really such a blessing for me is that I have a willing participant in my mom to also heal our relationship. She and I have had a couple or a few now really great, open, honest conversations where it's not about why didn't you do this or because you did that and well, you should have and well, I think you should have and you know, it was nothing like that. It was very much open and honest without taking things personally, without feeling the need to defend or attack. It was just really open, honest conversations. And I know that not every person listening will have a mother that is capable of having that level of conversation. I'm very fortunate that my mom is on her continuing journey of evolving and growing and learning about herself and her own triggers and, you know, taking things personally and being open to having honest conversations. So I'm very fortunate in that way. But I will say that it is not necessary for you to have a mom like that in order to heal the relationship between the two of you or for at least you to feel lighter and healthier and happier about the relationship that you had or have with your mom. So today, my relationship with my mom is good. Um, We've had, like I say, we've had these really great conversations. And more importantly, I have practiced these six things that I'm about to share with you. And it has nothing to do with, you know, the conversations I've been able to have with my mom or um, anything that she's done or changed about herself. It has nothing to do with that. So even if you have a mom that, I mean, perhaps she's not even alive at this point, uh, perhaps you're not on speaking terms, or perhaps you really just don't believe she's capable of having an open, honest conversation without the need to defend or attack. It doesn't matter. You can still apply these six things and feel lighter and better and heal the way that you feel when it comes to your mom. Okay, so thank you for allowing me to share that. I feel like that's actually a very important part of what I'm about to share. And I hope that you found some really helpful nuggets in there. That was the part of the of the episode that I was most afraid to share and, t- and talk about. So if this is serving you in any way, even just to hear someone else's experience, please do reach out and let me know. Um, Instagram, I'm Jennifer Jade underscore success coach. Send me a private message or share this episode and tag me in it so I can see that it has served you and meant something to you because then I'll know that, you know, it was worth sharing so open and honest and vulnerably what I am today. So number one of the six things is seek to understand before understood. Seek to understand before understood. 
it's easy for us to point out the flaws in others and what they did or didn't do or who they could have been or should have been or why didn't they do this or you know it's very it's so simple and it's something the ego loves to do one of their one of our ego's favorite pastimes but if you'll just go one step further and think about your mom's upbringing and her life before you entered into it and if you don't know what that's like ask her what were her parents like Were her parents openly loving and kind? Were they generous? Did they spend a lot of time with her? Were they healthy people? Were they in a healthy relationship? Did they have a healthy relationship with money, with finances? Or was there fear? Was there um, fear around money? Like we don't have enough, we can't afford that. Was there stress? Was there arguing? Was there um, abuse? You know, what was what was your mom's upbringing like for her? Like really, what was it like for her? What was her experience? What molded her subconscious mind between the ages of zero and eight years old? Now just think, our moms grew up in a totally different era. This whole, you know, world of personal development and spiritual development and subconscious mind resetting, all of this stuff is is relatively new you know it's it's basically exploded with our generation not so much our parents generation so anything that your mom had implanted in her subconscious mind especially between the ages of zero and eight will have stayed there her perceptions you know and it's not even just you know what you think her childhood was like or what her parents said her childhood was like but what she as a child perceived her childhood to be like that's what implanted in her subconscious mind if she felt afraid if she felt unsafe if she felt like she was a burden or a mistake or in the way or annoying or whatever that's going to have been implanted in her behaviors for the rest of her life unless and until she did something to shift that and like I say that wasn't a common practice for people in our parents generation so I see my mom with compassion I see my mom having a scared little girl in her based on her upbringing and her her having that scared little girl in her while she was trying to be a mother to me. So I seek to understand her. I seek to have compassion for her. And I see the scared little girl in her that may still even be there to this day, even though she's done a lot of work, and that that's a big part of who was trying to mother me. You know, and I really understand that she was just doing the best that she could in the way that she could at the at that time of her life. And I really redirect my thoughts in that direction anytime they try to drift into, but she didn't do this and she never said that and da 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 da. That that's an ego victim mentality. Instead, shift your thoughts to compassion, to love, to understanding. That's number one. Let's go to number two. Recognize that it's not her role to mother you anymore. Once we turn 18 years old and, you know, we move out on our own, we are adults now. 
And I forgot that along the way. I'll be honest with you. I was still looking for my mom to mother me. And I know that saying it out loud, it sounds weird. But, you know, I think I was in this place where I didn't feel like I was mothered in such a way as a child. And I was still seeking that as an adult. You know, I guess, you know, maybe I had this this idea of what a mother did and looked like and made you feel like and the things that she said and then compared that to you know my experience of my mother and feeling like you know I don't know you know I didn't have that you know stays at home and cooks and cleans type of mother you know my mom worked her ass off but I guess there was a part of me that I'd always wondered what it would have been like to have that kind of a mother and um was maybe still looking for that as an adult, you know, like that very, very nurturing, very motherly, very, you know, dotes on her kids. And um, I don't know, just that weird perception, I guess, of this pinnacle, you know, um, I, you know what it's making me think of? It's making me think of if we were to compare our partners to, the romance movies or romance novels you know it's almost like I was comparing my mom to the romantic idea of a mother and that's not fair you know I wouldn't want to be held to the standards of a stay-at-home wife who just cooks and cleans not just but that's just not my role that's not my path and I would never want to be compared to someone who that is their path and yet I was doing that to my mom without really realizing it so you know, recognize that after 18 years old, it's no longer her role to mother you and that she is just another human being like yourself that has flaws, that has imperfections, that is still working on her inner child, that's still healing, that's still figuring out how to be a better version of herself, that did the best she could with what she had and what she knew at the time. So number two is to really recognize it's not her role to mother you when you become an adult. Number three, I touched on this a little bit, is to stop comparing her to the mom you think she should have been and trust that she was the mom you asked for. Before you came into this life, before you were born, when you were mapping out your soul's journey with your counsel, this is what I believe, and you can believe or not, it, you know, we're all free to have our own beliefs, but in, in my belief, before we're born and we're souls seeking to evolve in human form through joy and through joyful experiences, but yes, you know, challenges and overcoming those challenges and everything along the way, expansion, learning, growth, overcoming ego and and blasting through our comfort zone and all these kinds of things. We have free will in our decisions that we make every day. But I do believe that we did choose the, the key players in our life from our soul family. So we decided, okay, who's going to play the role of mom? Who's going to play the role of dad? Who's going to be sister, best friend? Who am I going to stumble upon, you know, in my 20s? Who am I going to stumble upon in my 30s? You know, when you come across people that seem vaguely familiar to you, they're probably a part of your soul family or they've been a part of previous lives of yours. 
So it is my belief that you absolutely handpicked your mother just as she is and just as she was. She was perfect. She was perfectly picked for your divine growth and evolution. And that includes if she was an alcoholic, drug user, abuser, put you up for adoption, any of these things, you chose this path. And, you know, that might upset some people listening. And if that's not a part of your belief, it doesn't have to be. I'm not here to push my beliefs on anyone. This is just my, you know, what resonates with my soul as truth. So instead of comparing her, this is number three, instead of comparing her to the quote mom you think she should have been, she should have been more this, she should have been more that, she shouldn't have done this, she shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. Instead, trust that she was the exact mom you hand selected for your soul's growth. Number four, understand that each generation by design, like think of evolution, the only species to exist, to continue to exist are the ones that are able to adapt and evolve. So by design, each generation is meant to evolve beyond its predecessors. In fact, I've heard it in science that when two people have a child, it is their best version of their DNA that makes it to the egg. And then according to my sister, who's, you know, Miss Intellectual, knows everything, (laughs) she told me that, and maybe she's saying this because she's my younger sister, but she said that actually every time a person has a child, each, each form of DNA gets better and better, stronger and stronger. And you might notice a pattern in your family where the oldest child is often the shortest and then they get taller and taller. That's not this, you know, it's not a rule for every family, but it is in my family, both with my dad and his family. He continued to have after my mom and my mom's family and my siblings that she had there, they get taller and taller and taller. Anyways, I haven't factually checked that out, but something interesting that I've heard. So because we are designed to evolve beyond our predecessors, our ancestors, and even our parents, there will come a time where you will evolve beyond your mother. And this doesn't mean, this is not in the sense of, well, now you're better than your mother and now you're smarter and now you're more enlightened and you're just a better being than her. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something about you and your evolution that you will continue to grow beyond your mom and that is by design that is a nature inherent design that we are meant to continue to evolve now i realized that there were some areas where perhaps i had evolved And without really realizing it, I still wanted my mom to be my mom. You know, like I said in in 
Number three, I still wanted my mom to be my mom and I wanted her to be leading me and I wanted her to be strong for me. I felt like I had to be strong for everybody else. I had to be strong for my siblings. I had to be strong for my ailing family members and my dying family members and the family members that they left behind. And I had to be strong for my clients and strong for my husband and strong for myself and strong, strong, strong. And, and I would, I'm like, who is strong for me? Who, who is my safe place? Who, who is my strength when I feel weak? And I was looking for that to be my mom, you know, like that little girl in me wanted it to be my mother. And it it was almost like it, it just couldn't be that way in some areas because there were parts of me that had evolved beyond that space that ability and I had to accept that I was a grown woman I wasn't this little girl that still needed her mom and that that's hard to accept sometimes and then it even led to me feeling bitter sometimes when I was very unaware of this happening like you know why is I feel like you know in ways that my mom looks up to me and it's like well I want her to be the one that I'm looking up to and who's leading me and who is you know, who's stronger than me and pulling me forward and bringing me forward. And I felt like the tables had kind of turned where I was helping her and supporting her and leading her and then feeling kind of bitter about it. Cause then I went, well, who's there for me, you know? And, um, but I had to realize that there are many ways where my mom is there for me. And I know that if I ever needed someone to talk to or, and she is, you know, when I was having a hard time with Graham, I would talk to her. If I have anything to talk about business, I can talk to her. She's such an amazing entrepreneur. Um, you know, anything that I'm learning, any spiritual stuff, we can talk so openly together. So in many ways we are very much there for each other, but in, in other ways, you know, I can't be this little girl that's looking for nurturing from her mom when now I'm an adult and I I need to own that I am strong enough to stand on my own two feet and I am strong enough to lead and I am strong enough to keep going and I am strong enough to keep evolving. So that's number four. Understand that each generation by design is meant to continually evolve and not to fault your mom for that. Number five. You know who taught me number five that I'm about to share with you is Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer wrote in his book Inspiration and he wrote in his book I Can See Clearly Now and in his movie The Shift, which if you haven't seen it, I believe it's on YouTube, The Shift with Dr. Wayne Dyer, that his father, he spent half his lifetime a little over half his lifetime hating his father and this is a very spiritual open man you know it, it was his was always seeking to be more godlike how can he bring more godlike you know traits into his being but when it came to his dad he hated him he his dad had left them and him and his brothers when he was quite young his mom was so broke and so poor she actually had to put Wayne and one of his brothers up for um to 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 live in foster care 
which just, you know, angered him even more that this he would put his mom in this position and then he grew up with all this hatred and anger for his dad. And um, then he, he shares about, you know, how he, all the series of events that led him to go to finally find his dad and to learn that in fact his dad had passed away. His dad was a raging alcoholic from what I understand. And he wanted to find his dad's grave so he could go pee on it. He literally just, he wanted to find the grave so that he could just, he didn't get to have a final word with him, so he just wanted to have this final action. So he went to the grave and uh, he spoke, you know, he said everything that he needed to say that he never got to say in life as an adult man. And I don't believe he went through with the action of peeing on it. I don't think so. But he turned to walk away after, you know, spewing all the words that he needed to say and the anger and all the everything. And he walked away and something he said just stopped him. And he, he just felt like this wave of love come over his whole body. And he turned around. And it was like he saw his dad in this whole different light. And he realized that he became the man that he is because of the man that his father was. And so he became grateful to his dad. And he actually expressed that right there at the gravesite. He said, I won't speak ill of you anymore. Now I understand. And he said, I love you. Thank you. And I'm so grateful that he shared that story. Number five that makes me think of this story is know that many of us chose our mothers to be our greatest lifelong teachers. Not so much with their little literal words and maybe with their little literal words if you did learn some really useful things from your mom but primarily in the things that they reflect in you, about you, about yourself, that trigger you, that inspire you. These things facilitate your soul learning growth and breakthroughs. Your job is not to change your mom or wish that she were different but to come to understand the lessons her soul is teaching yours. I'm going to say that one more time. I really want to highlight and underscore and bold and italicize this. Your job is not to change your mom or wish she were different, but to come to understand the lessons her soul is teaching yours. Do you see what I mean when I said earlier in the podcast that you don't need to have a mom who is alive or a mom who is willing to have these open and honest conversations without taking things personally because maybe that's not the case and you don't need her in order for yourself to shift the way that you see your mom and feel about your mom and the energy you have towards and between you and your mom. 
This is all work that you can do on your own, by yourself and for yourself. And when you're ready, when you have really worked through steps one to five that I've just shared with you, and I don't mean just wishful thinking, you know, your way through these things like I had at the beginning, you know, I, where I consciously understood, but it wasn't intrinsic down into my soul and into my body. These things that I'm describing to you today took me several years to move through. I also didn't have someone guiding me, so I hope that, you know, it's it's a shorter learning curve for you, especially as you're hearing me share what I've learned with you. Um, I didn't have a, a guideline or these five steps or six steps. I was just kind of stumbling my way through trying to figure this all out, and it took me several years or more. Don't rush this process, you know, don't just wishful think your way through or, oh yeah, I consciously understand that and move on. Really work on each of these things that I'm sharing with you until you feel it in your body, until it sinks from your head into your soul, until you really get it. When you really get it, it will make you emotional. That's when you know you really get it. Number six, when you're ready, is forgiveness. Of course, the obvious is forgiveness for your mom. Now that you truly connect in your body, that a big part of her was a little girl in an adult body trying to mother the best way that she could. She just did the best she could with what she knew at the time. And there was some kind of a little girl in her that hadn't fully healed hadn't fully grown up yet, hadn't fully released. These things that we know about now were just not a thing with our parents. And she truly was doing the best that she could. She really, really was. And again, this is not something for you to just, yeah, okay, I understand that on a conscious level. I mean, give yourself the time and space to really feel it in your body. Imagine that little girl in whatever her upbringing was, You know, even if she had a perfect upbringing, let's say your mom came from wealth and was always supported and had two amazing parents and they came from the perfect marriage and they had the white picket fence and the dog and had money and went to these great schools and everything was perfect. That could also screw somebody up. You know, that could make a little girl think, okay, so in order to be happy, I need to be perfect. I need to have the perfect marriage and the perfect white picket fence house and the perfect education, the perfect amount of money, and then I can be happy like my parents. You know, so you see how it really doesn't matter if we had the most screwed up parents ever or the most perfect parents ever. It's all in the perception that we had as children, especially between the ages of zero and eight years old. That is when our subconscious mind has no filter, no protection. And this little childlike underdeveloped brain is taking in all of these perceptions and making them lifelong truths. Unless and until we do something to break those childlike beliefs and patterns that are hiding deep, deep down in our subconscious mind. So literally... There was a large part of your mom, and maybe still, that 
is a little girl with fears and self-doubt and insecurities and was literally doing the best she could in an adult body to be your mom. And the biggest piece of all, forgiveness for yourself. Forgiving yourself for standing in judgment of your mother. When I got to this place, I just broke down bawling. It's even making me emotional now. When I realized how long, how many years I spent faulting her, wishing she was better or different, wishing she had done this more or that less or whatever. And then then I would have felt more loved and then I would have felt more supported and blah, 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 blah. You know, that was really sad for me to, to come to that realization. And I was hard on myself about that. And so I really had to get to this place of having forgiveness. And I encourage this for you as well. Forgiveness for yourself for standing in judgment of your mom. You didn't know any better at the time. Now I want to give you something to do moving forward. You know, even after you listen to this podcast, maybe you take notes on these six things so that you can begin to practice them one by one and giving yourself all the time and space you need so that they're not just mentally understood, but intrinsically in your body, in your soul, in your spirit felt and accepted and landed and moved through. Going forward from this day on, your mind will want to default to your old pattern of thinking. You know, think of it as a habit. If we have a habit of chewing our nails or we have a habit of drinking coffee every morning or we have a habit of whatever, it's not just something we listen to one podcast and whoop, okay, I'm never going to chew my nails again. I'm never going to drink coffee again. Eh, Maybe that's the case in rare circumstances. But your mind and your ego are always going to default when left on autopilot to your old pattern ways of thinking. So if you have spent the last few weeks or the last few months or the last few years or a lifetime having certain thoughts when it comes to a person, when you leave your mind and your thoughts on default, on autopilot, that's what they're going to go back to. That's the, that's the pattern that they're used to. That's the habit that they're used to. But you can begin a new pattern. But it will take your intentional consciousness and intention and awareness in shifting and redirecting your thoughts at first. It will take your effort. It will take you consciously redirecting those thoughts. When your mind starts drifting into feeling annoyed or triggered or judgmental, if it's something that you've already dealt with, if it's a trigger that you have already dealt with, so I'm not saying ignore triggers and sweep them under the rug. If it's something you need to work through, wonderful. If it's something that you know you have worked on and you're ready to release, it's time to start redirecting your thoughts into new ones. I love watching Joel Osteen from time to time. And one of the things that I heard him say was, we always have a choice, always, always to see the blessing or the burden in any situation. You know, two people could walk into 
a brand new beachfront mansion that they just won. They just won it and there's no mortgage and they just get to live this beautiful, sunny beachfront mansion. The person who sees the blessing will will be so immensely grateful for this home and its beauty and its spaciousness and how amazing it is to live here and, and how grateful they are. And the person who sees the burden will think, wow, look at all these bathrooms that need to be cleaned and how much is it going to cost to heat this place? And oh Lord, then I'm going to have to pay for air conditioning and how much does it cost to heat the pool? And oh, now I got to hire a pool boy and you know, so just one very exaggerated example, but it is true in every situation, we have the choice to see the blessing or the burden. Choose to see the blessing of your mom and her role in your life. Choose again and again and again the blessing. The blessing. Everything that she was, everything that she is, all of her, what you had previously perceived as flaws or quirks or things she had done wrong. They have all helped shape you into the woman and perhaps mother that you are today. Thank her for that. Thank her soul for that. You can thank her silently or to her face, whatever you feel called to do. See the blessing always. When your mind starts shifting into the, but she really did know better and she could have done better and she just didn't and she did better for this sibling, but not me. And, and you know, this is, this is slipping back into the, the victim mentality, the woe is me, the, you know, it, it's, it's feeding the pain body as Eckhart, call, Eckhart Tolle calls it. Shift back into your limitless, infinite, unconditional, loving being that you are and see her with love. See the blessing that she is. See her through the eyes of God. See her through the eyes of the universe. See her through the eyes of love. Accept her and her quirks as she is, knowing that one day you will miss having her around. Wrap her in love and light and do the same for yourself. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for allowing me this safe space to share. This was this was a tough or tougher than my I asked for a divorce episode. I hope that it serves you. I would really welcome hearing from you if it does. Either a private message on Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, I would be so overjoyed if you would share this episode because I feel like there is an epidemic of mothers and daughters who have distanced from each other and really we are each other's greatest allies we really are so if you could take a screenshot of this episode share it on your insta story or your facebook just say hey you know i really enjoyed this or for all the mothers and daughters out there this is for you I would love that. Please tag me if you do share it so that I can reshare, repost that you shared it. I would love that. Let's really spread this message of love and healing between mothers and daughters. I love you so much. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. That's it for today, my friend. But before you go, I have a request. 
and a surprise for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know and help me spread the love by taking a quick screenshot and tagging me on social media or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. The more I know what you're loving, the more I can create what helps you the most. The surprise? I have some free resources to help you along on your soul adventure. Just simply head to jenniferj.com forward slash free gifts or click the link in the show notes right here in iTunes. Thank you so much again for being here. I'm sending you so much love and I'll see you in the next episode.